name is Jeremy Dixon here along with Mike Parker covering week six of the 2023 NFL season. Mike, how you doing, brother? Uh, doing pretty good. Um, this was a rough week. Um, I just went back in as I was reviewing the games last week, I did, or uh, last night rather. I mean, I was looking at every single one of these games going, this game sucked. This game sucked. This game sucked. Wasn't a whole lot of greatness in this week, man. And I look forward, I looked at, you know, I was projecting into week seven and I still didn't see a lot of things. I mean, I couldn't find anything to bet. So we'll see how that goes. Well, you really, Um, you you come up with any, I always like throw three out there just for the hell of it. I couldn't come up with three that I liked, to be honest. So I picked one, I went into, I did a parlay. So it's a little bit more complex. Okay. okay. Um, So my fingers are crossed on this one. Um, I took, I got hammered this week. Did you? Yeah, I yeah. actually went two and three, so I'm, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, yeah, so I mean, let, let's dig into it, man. What, like, you want to go over your bets first? Sure, why not? Fuck it. <laughs> All right, so uh, I I had San Francisco minus five and a half at Cleveland. They, they flat out lost the game. Even with that last second uh, kick, if it would have gone in, they would have won by one. I still would have lost this bet. Um, I had Seattle plus three at uh, Cincinnati um, lost that too. Couldn't do anything in the red zone. Apparently, Geno Smith on the Philly minus seven. I thought I'd for sure they could win this by a, by a touchdown. Um, lost that as well. Uh, the the Jets won outright. So zero for three on the on the day. Um, minus three hundred on the day overall. I'm down to plus one eighty on the season. Um, and my percentage, I'm 13 for 23 on my picks and it's just 57%. Uh, I am plummeting to earth, like, uh, the comet that killed the, the dinosaurs. All right, man. Well, that, that puts things in perspective. Um, yeah, so I, I, I did, I had a all right week, man. At least I had a, I had a positive week. Um, I had Kansas. I'm happy for you. Thank you, man. I'm well. I'm still very negative on the season, but um, I'm, it's it's all going in the right direction now, thankfully. Um, so I had Kansas City minus ten and a half versus Denver. Uh, won that on a late Kansas City field goal, and uh, it was funny because after that game on Thursday, <laughs> after that game on Thursday night, uh, Al Michaels was like, "All right, well that uh, field that fifty whatever yard field goal uh, puts Kansas City up by." 11 he's like that that's an important number to some people um because you can't score you, you can't win a game by 10 and a half points and uh him and whoever started chuckling him and whatever the his co-host are on that that broadcast started chuckling i thought that was pretty funny um minnesota minus two and a half at chicago won that one uh, i just figured you know chicago wasn't going to be able to to repeat that per- offensive performance. And obviously Justin Fields got hurt in that game. And uh, yeah, they Minnesota was able to cover. And so I got another W there. And then I picked Indianapolis plus four at Jacksonville, just because Jacksonville was coming off of two weeks in London, figured they would. And be- they've been hit and miss all year too. True, true. But uh, you know, Jacksonville, they they stepped up, man. They look really good. They they won that game handily. 
was I, I, you know I thought the Gardner they're leading with the defense right now. Yeah, they look good. Yeah, yeah. I thought the uh, Gardner Minshew effect would would uh, have some 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 uh, shine this week, but did not work out. So lost that one. So I was two and one on the week. Uh, bumped my season total to negative uh, five hundred. Thank gosh. I'm uh, moving in the right direction, Mike. Two weeks in a row, I'm uh, cutting that deficit in uh, by a hundred dollars. So, yeah, I'm at minus the five. Well, I did want to circle back to the Chiefs real quick and Al Michaels' comment. Um, you know, they kicked that field goal, but with about two minutes left in the fourth quarter, um, if they just punt that for whatever reason or go for it and don't get it, you're leaving Denver an opportunity, a two-minute drill to go down the field, get a touchdown and a two point conversion and tie the game. So despite Al Michaels cynicism regarding the the point spread, it looked like uh, it was also a good football decision. Yeah, absolutely. It, it went, it went against the script though, apparently. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, uh, we want to dig into our game notes then? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so this week on a bye, we had Green Bay and Pittsburgh did not play. Um, so the first game out of the gates for Thursday night football was uh, Denver at Kansas City. Um, I have Denver's toast. Uh, this game sucked. Um, and I guess Mahomes and Kelsey are pretty are a pretty unstoppable combo. Those are kind of my takeaways from this game. Yeah, Uh I had Travis Kelsey has a big game. Patrick Mahomes is a little shaky, but uh, they're playing Denver, so none of that matters. <laughs> well, he was 30, uh, 30 of 40, 306 and a touchdown. He did have a pick, Mahomes. Um, I did watch the uh, QB school um, video of Patrick Mahomes. He looked okay. A lot of the video was the relationship between him and Kelsey. Kelsey, like, spinning weird ways and finding gaps in um, in coverage that weren't part of the draw up and how those two are on the same page with that type of ad lib. So it was pretty interesting to kind of watch that relationship uh, happen in, in the, in, in game, in the game. So it's pretty interesting, you know, but they're not, really, you know, putting that relationship to a, cause obviously this is Seattle centric podcast i would say at the end of the day because i'm on it so um you know yes. the, the, the relationship between doug baldwin and and uh, russell wilson seemed very there was a little something yeah it didn't it, it didn't it didn't come to this level though no obviously but, not because but like when it when it was a jailbreak baldwin was always coming back always find finding a spot. gap somewhere yeah yep so they that's, just, a, yeah, that's a good call out. Yeah, that's they just a good call work, out. work well together. So, um, so my yeah, go ahead. Go no, that, that's all. As I was say, my 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 spotlight for this game is uh, Sean Payton. Um, I think he's getting pretty ornery out there in the streets. Uh, personally, I think his special magic coaching ship has sailed. I'm not impressed by him. Um, I. I think he's out there whining about his situation versus accepting what it is and trying to make something out of it and doing what coaches are supposed to do and kind of take the brunt of this. He's in a position, unlike many coaches in the NFL, to kind of sit back and go, they paid a lot of money to get me. I'm, I, I don't go against their cap. 
Um, I still have the pelts on the wall, Super Bowl, et cetera. Um, he has a little cachet. He doesn't have to be such an asshole. So I don't understand where it's coming from. Um, I mean, their pot commit, huh? No, if it wasn't Russell Wilson, like receiving most of this, uh, these, these, uh, blows from Sean Payton, I would probably be, be on against Sean Payton, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just bitter, man. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm petty, so I'm. I have no idea why you're bitter. That he literally gave us a Super Bowl. We went to uh, two, did one, he one. Give us a Super Bowl, or did the the one of the best defenses in the history of the NFL give us a Super Bowl? It could it, definitely a contribution, but there are plays that he made, and they were there because that. there was a piece that they were missing. We had not had a quarterback like that in the history of our franchise that was capable of getting there. That includes Hasselback, which is probably number two. My personal favorite, my personal favorite is old Mudbone, Dave Craig. But oh, he God. but he couldn't do anything with his little hands. Yeah. Little, little. <laughs> all right. All right. So all right, go ahead, man. Finish your point. All right. My game ball, I'll just bring it back. Mahomes and Kelsey, they put on a show. Um yeah, Mahomes had 300 plus yards. It's just only a second this season. Uh, and Kelsey racked up 124 yards. No touchdowns or anything like that. Low scoring game. Thursday night probably had limited playbook installation, um, which is, which which is why. I mean, and they're playing conservative. They're get they're playing against a bad team. Doesn't have a lot of options. I mean, doesn't seem like we're not pulling all the stops out here with weird reverses and flea flickers and stuff. We're just you know, I'd like to see him run a little bit more, but um, yeah, yeah. I guess why would you run when you have Mahomes? True, true. Um, you know, I just wanted to really quickly point out that uh, we didn't mention this in the intro, but we are doing this. Um, we, we, me and Mike could be playing catch with the football right now, but we're doing this over Zoom. Uh, so if you hear any dogs barking in the background or if you hear any technical difficulties, that's why. But uh, we're we're uh, we're good. Other than that, um, but yeah, Mike. Uh, so from that game, man, we're we're going to back to London again, and we had Baltimore and and uh, at Tennessee, technically, I guess. But it was uh, obviously played there in London. So what did, what did you have on that game? Um, this was the final London game. To your point, another ugly win by Baltimore. Um, but they just ugly, grind out wins. Ugly win, dude. They just grind out these wins. It's nothing spectacular, nothing particularly unique. Um, but they're four and two and, and at the top of the N- NFC North. I can't criticize too much because they're doing what they're supposed to do to, to, to win their division. That's step number one, win your division. Um, they're on their way to that. Uh, but this game was ugly. I, it wasn't fun to watch. Yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, you know, I did wake up early. I was texting with you, or I was at least texting you. I don't know if you were awake receiving those text messages at the time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it basically my notes, I had Justin Tucker might be the best kicker in NFL history, six field goals. Uh, Derrick Henry looked good, but I feel like Ryan Tannehill is terrible, man. Like, I mean, that's the, I feel like that is the thing holding them back more than anything, but then – I just saw a tweet about an hour ago saying that who was it? Dan Patrick maybe is reporting that they're looking into trading Derrick Henry before the, before the deadline on Halloween. So I guess we'll see that, you know, Malik, 
Malik Willis did come in and replace uh, Tannehill after a high ankle sprain. He probably is going to start this week from the sounds of it. Uh, but he had two fewer passing attempts or uh, sorry, two fewer passing yards on 11 fewer attempts. Uh, he did take four sacks in the, the limited time he was in there for a 30 yard loss. Um, and I just feel like, you know, me and you argue all the time about tanking and what, what the- I, I do want to have this conversation later. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, I we, need, we need to address this. Let's, let's, let's have the tanking conversation right. in the uh, maybe hottest take or something. So my last, my last note though, was if Ryan Till Tannehill is not a part of the future, may as well play one of these young guys and see what you got. So go, I'll let you go from there. Um. I mean, there's nothing much else to talk about in this particular game. I thought the Tennessee – my my spotlight uh, was the Tennessee defense. I mean, I guess despite all this time that they spend on the field uh, because their offense is pretty inept, they did keep Baltimore out of the end zone, five out of the six red zone trips. So they're pretty darn good, They including a, uh, a couple of drives that were within the five-yard line. They just stopped them. Yeah. Um, my game ball would go to Zay Flowers. It wasn't a spectacular day for him, only 50 receiving yards and a TD. But I want to give him his flowers as a rookie right now. He really seems to be finding a place on this team. He's the best deep, throw, uh, deep uh, threat that they have. Um, he's the second pe- uh, best Cat, uh, pass catcher overall I would put Mark Andrews ahead of him um on the TD catch he was running out to the front pylon and then realized Lamar was outside of the pocket and then cut back to help his quarterback it was a good heads up play we talked about earlier about recognizing when you're when your quarterbacks in uh distress and making a play to get into an open zone that's exactly what he did on that play and uh touchdowns were in limited supply in this game and he was able to um facilitate one of those uh, i believe touchdowns were at a minimum in the entire nfl this week but um yeah, it, 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 I get I get progressively more pessimistic with these games as we go. Like I had energy for about the first six to write more information, and then I'd start like with like three sentence like statement. <laughs> so I, I, I I'm exactly the same way, my friend. Uh, yeah, they, this was a tough week of just un uninteresting. I mean, I guess interesting games, but not interesting results no no not interesting games it just they had weird conclusions but yeah, yeah. A, a weird conclusion does not an interesting game make yeah i believe that i read a stat i, I wish i would have written it down but there, I, i'm pretty sure this is like one of the like in the last 30 years this might be like one of the lowest touchdown scoring weeks in nfl history hmm because there was a lot, yeah. a lot of field goals this week. Um, yeah, so, I, yeah, yeah. Anyway, tough game. Gross. It's all gross. All right. Speaking of gross, let's go to Washington and Atlanta. Um, Desmond Ritter came crashing down to earth um, after what I would have called his best professional performance last week. He threw three interceptions, including a key moment at the end of the game where he, you know, uh, Smith had like Arthur Smith had this like look on his face like uh, unfortunately a coach is not supposed to look like that when a player does something like he was like like the Zapruder film with JFK's head going back you, you can't as a coach you cannot do that 
<laughs> back into the left, back into the left. You can't do it like that, man. You have to hold your composure, but he couldn't because it was so egregious. Oh, that was the best JFK uh, NFL analogy you could have ever made, but okay. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, All right. So, yeah, go ahead. Finish your notes and then I'll uh, just. I was just going to say my my spotlight. I got to I got to say, Sam, how another weird stat, 61 percent on 23 uh, pass attempts for 150 yards. But he and that's that's just a horrible stat line for the most part. Um, But he did have three TDs. So uh, we have to give him his flowers in that regard. Again, nothing particularly special about his performance other than these three TDs. So he got him in position and got him across the goal line. I'm not sure what else you can ask for uh, from a quarterback. Uh, No mistakes from what I, yeah, no interceptions. So um, I think he played a pretty solid, what I would call a game manager uh, type game. Uh, And then finally my game ball, I'm going to call out uh, Bijan. He's just fun to watch. Uh, Didn't have a huge game here either. No TDs. But he's really was the only fun thing about this game and just the way he moves and, you know, how he catches and how they're moving him out to. I haven't seen the first time I ever saw them move a running back out into like the X or Y position. The wide receiver position was uh, Marshall Falk in that uh, greatest show on turf. And this guy has that level of of speed, um, route running ability and and hands. I haven't seen anything like it in a while. So I'm pretty excited to kind of monitor his career. Uh, Yeah, he, so my notes, let me just run through my notes real quick. Um, I'll allow it. Desmond Ritter throws three interceptions and Sam Howell throws for three, three touchdowns. Uh, Ritter had 300 yards, but Howell only had 150, which is just like the crazy, you know, like it, you, you would you would expect it to be the opposite way, I would guess there. It's like put the dice into a shaker and just roll it and see, right. <laughs> see where they land. Exactly. And uh, yeah, so, you know, Washington, the knock on their defense, they have a great defense, but the knock on the defense, they can't stop the run. So I thought mm. I really I bet on this game in real life. Uh, lost my ass because I thought Washington was going to give up a ton of rushing yards and Atlanta just couldn't get it going, man. They, uh, you know, Algier had 51. I think you mentioned, I believe Robinson had 37. Um, and that was about it. And then, you know, I guess Ritter had a few yards rushing as well, but, um, it was nice to see Kyle Pitts get in the end zone again. Um, he's just quietly, kind of building up his momentum of his career what everybody kind of thought you know coming in I believe he was like the fourth pick in the draft for a tight end which is pretty uh ridiculous so yeah I mean good on them for getting him involved in the offense but uh, just an atrocious loss at home to Washington well, let's just let's give uh, a shout out to um, Drake London as well. 125 yards receiving yeah. um, no touchdowns, but this is the first time he's gone over 100 in his uh, this year so far. So okay, good I, I, I wanted to to the audience out there, I wanted to call something out. And then I've been really impressed over these last two uh, episodes of you actually bringing stats to the table. So. It's really, really fun for you to have like yards and touchdowns and interceptions 
um, it makes my life a little easier. I don't have to do all the heavy lifting. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, all right. Dick, bro. You, you're the <laughs> king of backhanded combat. And speaking, and speaking of heavy lifting, uh, Minnesota at Chicago. Um, so Minnesota gets their second win in three weeks. And uh, they're, I'm saying this sarcastically, are really making a push for the NFC North. Um, they're not eliminated yet, technically. I don't think they have the depth to keep this up. And their wins come against some pretty bad teams. Um, so uh, my spotlight is Justin Fields. And he was injured. Uh, my game ball is Kirk Cousins. Only one turnover this week. Those, those are my comments for this game. I don't have a lot else to add what do you have yeah uh this is the sh this might be the shortest the shortest uh notes i had for any game this week uh, i said just an ugly game not much scoring kirk cousins only throws for 181 and justin fields gets knocked out of the game the end yeah yep the end indeed i was hoping they bring out i'm trying to uh, there uh, the bears have this backup quarterback um is, I thought it was a Tyler. Maybe it was 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 Badgett the guy that was in the preseason that was uh, throwing it around quite a bit, or did they cut him? I believe so. I think he's the guy that's uh, he's the the big pickup on, uh, or he was listed as being one of the the best pickups on uh, fantasy football this week. Ah, so. uh, okay. Well, he sucked this game, so. Yeah. That's what I Back to the drawing board if you picked him up on that yeah, fantasy. Did not do it. Did not. All right. Let's dig a hole in the backyard and bury this game on it in it. Yeah. All right. Next game, uh Seattle at Cincinnati. I hate Seattle's offense. Um, they're a 2020 team. And for those of you who don't know, that means they move the ball well between the 20s, um, but they can't get it in the end zone. Um, I'll just call my spotlight out here because it kind of goes in line with what I'm saying here. It's Geno Smith. By the numbers, he had a pretty good day, 68% on 41 pass attempts and 223 yards. But he had two interceptions, and one was horrible in the end zone, in the red zone. Well, that one of his interceptions was DK Metcalf being a little bitch and just stopping his route in the middle of it because he was – like, I feel like that guy – I'm I'm falling further off. I know you were you've been off the DK bandwagon for a while. I'm starting. I never to... was on the bandwagon. Okay, well, the, enough said then. But I, yeah, I'm just like, what are you doing, my guy? Like, you throwing a fit on the field doesn't help your team. Like, go to the sideline and say something to Geno Smith or Pete Carroll or whoever, and say, get me the ball. Whatever you want to do be intense on the sideline. You don't need to do dumb shit and get, you know, personal fouls and all this and unsportsmanlike conducts, like just do your goddamn job and let's keep it moving because, you know, you're, you're a vital piece of this offense. So um, yeah, he, he just st completely stopped on a route. And if he would have continued running, I don't think he would have caught the ball, but he would have at least broken up the interception. He completely stopped and, the defender was just in a perfect, like a yard away from him, probably made a, uh, just an un, you know, like very unimpressive interception. So. So one of the things that I believe the Seattle Seahawks did back in the early uh, 2010s uh, when Pete Carroll came in 
is start to work on the personal development of some of the players. And part of those services was let's bring a psychiatrist on and let these guys have an ability to kind of like discuss some of the things that they're, um, that they're dealing with, you know, in the hopes that they can deal with the stress of this particular game. Um, DK needs to start taking advantage of some of these services because his egregious late hit on the Cincinnati uh, defensive back that caught, that got that unsportsmanlike conduct made no sense to me. It didn't even look like they were hand fighting or doing anything weird. And just all of a sudden he just hits him. And I don't understand where that comes from. Uh, I, I, I think there's, I don't think there's any place for that in the game. Um, it needs to stop. And it, to me, this is like a, this is like a, a hitch or a hiccup or a, or a misfire in him. That's pretty inherent because it's not like he's getting better over the last three years. Um, it will get to a point where if he, if he doesn't like, as he gets slower, he'll be out of the league very fast. If he has one injury where it affects his explosive speed or anything like that, he'll be done because he doesn't offer anything else to a team. Yeah, yeah. All right. My game ball goes to uh, Cincinnati offense. Why? Because they scored more than Seattle. Yeah. That's it. That's about it. That's all you can really do, man. So my, my, <laughs> quick, my quick notes, a game full of mistakes. Gino threw two interceptions, but yep. isn't to blame for everything that went wrong because, uh, you know, the the Bengals did just enough. Seattle offensive line play is atrocious right now. Um, he had Gino had no time to throw the ball. I, I saw the all twenty two tape of uh, a couple of like both of his interceptions and then that uh, the sack at the end of the game. And he had no time to throw the ball. Had no open receivers on that last play. Especially if he would have thrown the ball, it more than likely gets picked off. Um, just where the, the defenders were versus where he was. Jake Curhan, uh, the backup right tackle, does not belong on an NFL offensive line. The end. Seattle had every – I had Seattle losing this game at the beginning of the year when I go through and kind of make my predictions of each game. But I had them losing this game. Could have easily won it, though, which is kind of disappointing. I so I did want to circle back on Gino. It was the 10 play drive um, with about six minutes starting at about six minutes left in the fourth quarter um, going up to about the two minute drill when uh, he took that sack. It was a it was an eight yard sack. And I noticed one thing is when he bet, went into his back pedal, he was looking to his his left didn't move from the left and didn't see an almost wide open rusher on the right side. And to me, that's part of the traits that makes for a good to average. If you're not able to see those rushers coming, that's your ceiling is probably good. So in my opinion, Gino's good and will never get to like a great or even touch great because he doesn't have the awareness at the end of the day when things start to break down. Does he have a NFL level arm? Yes. Does he have NFL level accuracy? Yes. But there's, there's always a hitch in these guys. 
They make an interception at the wrong time. They take a sack at the wrong time. They're not seeing the pressure. And to me, that's, that's a huge problem. After that, that sack, I'm out. Cause if he can't see that, he can't, there's, he can't see all the other things that are going to be coming at him in the playoffs and, and, and everything else. So I I think the Seattle Seahawks are out. I think they're done. I'm not ready to call them off quite yet because there's other teams that I would say are have no chance before them. But is so terrible this year that they're they're plummeting in my power rank. Seattle's probably the fifth best team in the NFC even after all of that. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, the fifth or sixth probably. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I would have to take a look and really kind of. But if they if they were in the AFC, they'd probably be like the ninth or tenth best. So who knows, man? Yeah, like right around Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. All right, enough of this game. All right, San Francisco at Cleveland. Um, San Francisco was looking good offensively to start the game. Um, drove down the field well for a couple of touchdowns in the first quarter, uh, but then they lost CMC and Debo uh, during the game. Um, and they really don't have that depth, that playmaker uh, to lose two, two out of the three of their big three. So to me, that's why they lost. We talked about that. We've talked about this every single week this, uh, this year so far, as if they have their big three, this team is virtually unstoppable. Right. But if any one of those guys go down, they have a, it's, it becomes exponentially more difficult for them to be successful on the offensive side. Shout out George Kittle of uh, coming off of a three touchdown game, getting one reception for one yard. I will say, like from a blocking perspective, he has so much value at that position. Like you can you can double team in other places because he is so good yeah. at blocking and getting in position. So I won't I won't ever look at him and go three catches. You suck because he does some dirty work. Right. I well, appreciate last, that. Last week he only had three catches, but he they were all three touchdowns. So and on. he kept Purdy and he kept Purdy clean against the Cowboys. Yeah. All right. So, what's so my sp- spotlight spotlight is uh, CMC. He had fifteen. Uh, 15, it was his fifteenth straight game with a touchdown. Um, man, they keep every time I, I I see this, it's like, oh, it's fourteen. He's tied for second. Then we go to fifteen. There's actually like six people in there at six at fifteen. And then uh, finally, it was uh, looks like Hall of Famer Lenny Moore of the Baltimore Colts, nineteen sixty three and four, uh, had seventeen straight games with a touchdown. So I think that is the apex of this particular stat. So he probably has three games to go um, in order to break that. So I wish him luck. And it looks like he's probably back this week, so I was gonna that'll ask, be good. I was going to ask if that counts uh, if he misses a week. It's a rib, a rib oblique, so it's about pain tolerance is the word on the street. Okay. But I'm saying, does that record hold if he misses the game this week? Yeah, yeah, I think so. You remember how um, Largent, it was consecutive games with a catch or whatever it was? And he had missed a couple of games due to injury. It's right. when he plays, he's got to get that catch. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, who's your game ball go to in this one? Uh, Jim Schwartz. Um, I'm going to call him out, but I'm also obviously going to add that Cleveland defense. Um, according to Mike Lombardi, Schwartz is like Shanahan kryptonite. And man, it sure as hell looked like it on Saturday, on Sunday. 
He's quietly one of the best defensive minds in the game. He seems to just move from team to team and bring a great defensive with him every time. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't know why teams let him go. Does he just grind you to a nub and he just has to move on? But he did it in Detroit. He's doing it here. Um, yeah, this guy's good. All right. Well, my notes for this one, um, another ugly game. Cleveland's defense looked amazing. Uh, Miles Garrett is playing on another level right now. Uh, 49ers lose Debo and Christian McCaffrey, and the offense has a tough time doing anything once that happens. Um, and then, you know, the 49ers miss a field goal at the end of the game that, that would have won it. So Yeah. Well, let's give a no, shout out to let's give a shout out to Jerome Ford. Had a couple of big runs in that fourth quarter to get them in uh, field goal range late. Um, I'll also say uh, Amari Cooper. A couple of great catches downfield to keep the chains moving. Um, they were on, I don't know, their third quarterback of the year so far. Just adding more quarterbacks that have started for the Cleveland Browns. Um, PJ, uh, don't call me Tucker Walker. Um, 192 yards and, and two interceptions. So not a, not a great day, but made a couple of throws when he had to. And it, in his running game, uh, you know, took over the rest. Yeah, I think I texted you and was like, I can't believe PJ Walker or PJ Tucker uh, won this game or whatever. You're like PJ Tucker, huh? I was like uh, the I said PJ Pancakes because that's a, they call him PJ. Pa so he so PJ Tucker is an NBA player. And right. he has like all these cities that he goes to, like places where he can get like these pancake dinners. So I started, I don't know if someone else does, but I started calling him PJ Pancakes. I love it. Um, but that's what I said. Yeah. But and then I was not, like, not Tucker. I was like, Walker. wait, where is it? I was like, where is it? Walker. Or I was like, is it a PJ Skywalker? Anyway. Skywalker. Uh, yeah. So all yeah, right. Uh, that was a tough game, man. So, but yeah, shout out to all right. Carolina at Miami. All right. So Carolina is in a weird place. Last week, their coach talked about how they wanted another quarterback, uh, CJ Stroud over Bryce Young. This team started off very strong versus Miami, despite all of this weird outside stuff going on. Uh, they were up 14 points on this very dynamic Miami offense uh, in the first quarter. Um, but then the floodgates opened. Um, my spotlight here is Tyreek, 163 yards. Um, scared everyone for a bit when he went into that locker room. I guess it was cramps, uh, but he came out and scored that his only TD. So um, this offense took a minute uh, on Sunday to kind of like gear, get geared up and get ready. But once they uh, lit that fire, um, they just rattled off uh, 42 points from the second quarter on. Yeah. Wasn't even close after that. Yeah. Who's your spotlight and game ball going to? My get, uh, spotlight was Tyreek Hill or Tyreek Hill. My game ball is uh, Raheem Mostert. Mostert. Um, getting the bulk of the carries this way uh, this week with A-Chan out. 115 yards rushing on 17 carries and a TD. Also had 17 yards receiving and another TD. So uh, made, uh, made his presence known. In this game. Who's getting your game ball? Literally, dude, I just said that. Raheem most most oh, gets bad, the game my ball. Bad. I thought, sorry, my bad. Sorry, Mike. Uh I had Panthers score the first 14 points of the game, then boat raced. Uh got boat raced with the usual suspects on Miami's offense going off. 
And I just said, is Carolina the worst team in football? I think they probably are. Chicago and Denver are doing all they can to to prove them wrong, but. I'm going to give Bryce Young a little uh, leeway here. Um, it's a tough league to be successful in, and he's a he's a smaller guy. Uh, I think the thing that I like about the Panthers is they compete. I don't look at Denver as competing. That team gives up weekly, um, and I know those guys are frustrated. You could see it. Um, so if I'm gonna go, I if I'm gonna say who's worse, I'm gonna go Denver because at least Carolina seems to care. Yeah, I could. I can see that. All right. Well, let's uh, move it on to uh, you got Indianapolis and Jacksonville next. Yep. Your, your, uh, your one loss this week, right. Is the Indianapolis at Jacksonville, you know, why Shane Steichen is letting Gardner Minshew throw 55 times when he has Jonathan Taylor and Zach uh, Moss on the team. I have no idea. That's kind of my biggest takeaway here. He threw three interceptions and, and had a fumble this in this game. And I think that pretty much sealed the, the, the loss uh, for the Colts. Yep. Yep. Uh, what's your spotlight and game ball going to? Uh, I got Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's not taking the leap that I thought this year, um, but his team's four and two. He's at the top of the AFC South. Um, I he's he was looking at for, I mean, didn't look incredible, <sighs> but he was, he, Good enough, I thought. He's he's 66%, 67% on the day, 20 for 30, 181 yards. Not really that impressive. Uh, two touchdowns and an interception. Um, to me, my game ball here is um, Travis Etienne. Probably the only bright spot on this Jacksonville offense. Scored four TDs in the last two weeks, including two uh, um, versus the Colts. So, he seems to be kind of taken off right now, which is good. Kind of holding that team together, getting points on the board. Uh, the defense balled out uh, this this week, so um, they looked really good. But I mean, four takeaways. Um, but and I'd like to see a little bit more from Trevor. I'd like to see him putting up, you know, getting it at three hundred yards a little bit more, or at least close to it. Um, let's let's cut these interceptions down, these fumbles down. Um, I'd like to see a little bit, you know, a little bit more efficiency as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, for my notes in this one, I mentioned you throws for 329, but three interceptions and a fumble also. Uh, Indianapolis doesn't get in the end zone until the fourth quarter when it was already too late. Uh, I thought it was an efficient game from Lawrence and ATN. Uh, I was impressed that Jacksonville – was able to come back from two weeks in London and really blow out Indianapolis at the end of the day. Um, and then Anthony, I put Anthony Richardson probably done for the season, but I think it came out today that he is officially done for the season. He's having a season ending surgery on that. I think AC joint in his shoulder. So good luck to him going forward. Well, half of first round quarterbacks don't make it. Um, I fear he's going to be, the victim of the uh, bad half of that stat. He's already had a concussion, a shoulder surgery. He's played three games. He was supposed to be the big quarterback that can take this type of punishment. And he's already 
he's already in the shop. So I I don't know what this, you know, and he doesn't have the actual quarterbacking skills quite yet. He made some great throws that just like, how did he throw that from a pile, uh, like on the button? But, you know, it's not about just making big throws all the time in the NFL. It's about, can you check down and make an accurate throw over the, the, over the middle? Can you throw with anticipation? Um, And he hasn't shown that he can do any of those at this point. So um, hope he gets back. Hope he gets healthy. I hope this is just a kind of blip in his career. Um, But, you know, the stats don't, aren't on his side. I'll say that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to uh, New Orleans. Yeah. New Orleans at Houston. Yeah. I have no idea how Derek Carr got 353 passing yards. Um, you wouldn't know it by watching this offense um, or even looking at the score. He's like empty calories. <laughs> That's a good. He's like a shot. He's like a shot of Jaeger. Yeah. It's like useless. Ugh, I don't even really like it. It's, you know, it's messing with my diet. It's empty calories. That's David Derek Carr for you. I almost called him David. You yeah. got me doing that. <laughs> I love it. All right, who is your spotlight in your game ball? All right, so um. New Orleans and the NFC South for that matter is a bit of a shit show. Uh, division's wide open. Every team except for maybe Carolina uh, has looked like a world beater and a chump. I have no idea how to um, like, to, like pick this, this division. So that's my spotlight is just absolute confusion. I would just put question marks uh, for my pick for a division winner. And then my game ball, CJ uh, Stroud, not a huge day for him uh, through two touchdowns, did enough to win. Yep. Um, I put really jumping on the CJ Stroud bandwagon now. Um, he's winning some games against teams that I think are clearly better than than Houston, at least on paper. Um, well, they have they have a really good defense, uh, the Saints. So to 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 be successful against that defense is something for sure. Yeah. Uh, Houston's defense was able to do just enough to beat the Saints. I uh, really thought Alvin Kamara coming back to the Saints would provide a little more of a spark than it has. Uh, maybe Houston is just good, or maybe nobody is good. I think the Saints are probably not as good as we thought they were two weeks ago, and I think the Houston Texans are better than we thought they were two weeks ago. Yeah. All right. For what that for what that's worth. All right, moving on to another <laughs> New England at uh, Las Vegas. This game was not fun, so I don't know. Spotlight it. Spotlight is uh, these quarterbacks stink, and uh, my game ball uh, goes to the nose tackle that Bill Belichick's going to select with New England's first round pick. There you go. Uh, I just had Mac Jones look terrible, which was a huge upgrade over last the last two weeks. Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. And... So, so can I ask, what's below terrible? Can we do the scale? It's like what I'm playing elite. I like what are what are your what's your scale? Uh, I mean, it's yeah, it's like elite, good, great, good, bad, terrible. Like just enough. Atrocious. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Atrocious. 
Yeah, that's that's worse than terrible, I think. Yeah, he looks bad. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and just, yeah, the game, this game was terrible. This game might have been atrocious, Mike. Mm. Might have been. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was. This was, it was a bad week of football, and this was one of the worst games of this bad week of football. I actually find no enjoyment at, uh, from watching Las Vegas Raiders games, and I think it's a problem. Honestly, I think it's a problem for a lot of these teams. So this is kind of we can revisit this tanking and the hot take uh, thing. And I, th- I think this is why we're seeing so many of these teams right now just playing so poorly. Um, and I just don't understand it. All right. So uh, I assume you're done with this. Or do you have any other in- enlightened um, opinions here? All right. Uh, we'll go Arizona at the Los Angeles Rams. Um, this game was close until the third quarter. That's kind of my main note. Uh, just, you know, on cue, Arizona holds holds it together for um, three quarters of the game, five, six of the game, and then it just the doors fall off. Um, I'm going to put a spotlight on Josh Dobbs um, is not making it through this year. He's running way too much. I'm looking at his running stats and he's getting somewhere in the neighborhood of 50, 60 yards a game and rushes. And I think most of those are just like jailbreak where he's like under pressure and having to move outside of the pocket. So they don't look like in, in particular, like um, runs that are planned. He had 47 yards rushing. Um, if he, <laughs> if he gets caught, He's a, he's not, he's not a huge guy. Um, so if he, if he's out there running so much, I, I, I hope that he doesn't, doesn't get hurt. He's playing pretty well outside of that uh, game ball. Cooper cup counted for half of um, the, the Rams passing yards. Um, he had 148 and a touchdown. That touchdown was his first of the season. So um, he got back on the horse last week and uh, looks like he, got it over the the finish line uh, this week. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I just was, you know, Cooper cup looked good. Kyron Williams looked really good, but he did suffer an injury uh, and is not, he's out for the next couple of weeks, I believe, um, which sucks for the Rams, but um, I think he's on the pop, right? uh, Yeah, maybe. Uh, no, because he played this week and scored two or scored a touchdown. And no, no, dude, at, after this week. Oh, they put him on the oh, yeah, yeah. He's probably on or the IR or whatever for at least four weeks. I think two. Or, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, the, Matt Stafford keeps doing just enough to win, and and that uh, you know, I, I again, I don't know how good the Cardinals' offense is. Dobbs throws for two thirty five, but has a pick and doesn't look like he's going to make it through the season like you mentioned so uh cooper cup is back in full full force though and that's definitely for sure that would be the recipient of my game ball as well so correction kyrid williams is not on the pup but expected to miss uh three to four weeks with a with a sprained ankle so they might put him on the ir then yeah all right all righty what do we got next philly at new york jets um Eagles Island was hit by Hurricane Zach. That was that was my comment here. Kind of like blindsided them almost. Was it a hurricane? Like, it, was, it, it, it was it was a tropical it was a tropical storm that picked up and became like a category three for 
as it passed over Eagles Island. So um, just a, one of those flash things you didn't expect it to be that that difficult. It's really, it's the defense, right? They're my spotlight this week. It keeps the, they, they kept this uh, Phillies offense out of the end zone for the most part, only allowing 14 points. So um, again, that New York jets defense comes, comes to play. Uh, they've looked good all season. Um, just doing enough to keep these games close. If they had even a comp, uh, comp if they had a quarterback, that could do anything at all uh competent was the word i'm looking for um then they would uh i think they'd be a really good team i agree i agree wholeheartedly with you so speaking of that my game ball goes to aaron Rodgers' achilles um he was out there walking without crutches or a walking boot and kind of throwing the ball in pregame so hopefully uh that little piece of tissue can uh, get him back on the field this year uh, can we say shout out to Aaron Rodgers' surgeons or whatever uh, medical team he's using? Because see how German, yeah, they're they're moving like uh, <laughs> those uh, uh, um, stem cells. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that stuff. German blood doping, bro. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, yeah. Um. You know, Brees Hall gets in the end zone again. Phil era. Uh, they. The, Their only Eagles, touchdown this yeah, week. Yeah, Eagles looked terrible. I, I think I brought this up last week. Jalen Hurts, I don't know how good he is, man. Three interceptions again. Or, you know, had three interceptions this week. He's, I think, I, I'm not sure what he's up to on the year now, but it's pretty close to. It's got to be pretty close to even number of uh, touchdowns and ints. Um, You're spot on. So he has seven, seven passing touchdowns and seven interceptions. Um. Yeah, it doesn't look really good. Um, what are his fumbles? Did they put that in here? I'll have to go to his advanced stat for fumbles, but that yeah. I, mean, I think he has a couple of fumbles to go along with that. Tough, tough to win a game though when your uh, quarterback is the leading passer and the leading rusher in the game, but throws three interceptions and uh, only accounts for the two touchdowns that you score. So, I mean, AJ Brown, another great week from him, but you know. Um, the Jets defense are monsters, man. And, and Zach Wilson is keeping it in there close enough to the vest that he's not blowing any games necessarily for them, but shocking result. Nonetheless. I wonder what it is. I wonder where the regression's coming from. You know, I, he's, he, you know, seven touchdowns is nothing to shake a stick at. He has um, quite a few rushing touchdowns. So he has um, five rushing touchdowns to go with the seven passing. Uh, only one a fumble, um, actually. So he, I think he had seven turnovers last season. Um, and he's already at eight this season. So we called this out a couple of weeks ago. Definitely something to watch with him. Um, hopefully they can get that worked out. They just um, signed Julio Jones, which I'm not sure that's going to make much of a difference at this point. At least he's a, a cheap decoy that they can throw out there and maybe get some one-on-one -on -one balls in the end zone from time to time. I'm sure he still has great hands um, and is a uh, more than um, good route runner. So I think, you know, we'll see. We'll see if it draws enough of the defense's attention to free up 
uh, Smith and um, and Brown. Yeah. Yep. That's all I had on that one. All right, Detroit at Tampa Bay. Uh, I think the best thing about this game was Tampa Bay's cream school uniforms. Um, they're still top four, uh, my, my favorite uh, throwbacks. Uh, Baker's stat line, um, sub 60% completion, 200 yards and a turnover. We can call it the Baker's dozen if you want. Uh, he missed some wide open throws. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, good luck to the Tampa fans. Uh, the universe is finally restoring balance. Um you can obviously see my my picks from this week. The universe is saying, Mike, you're at 80% of your picks. We're got to really hammer you into the ground right now. And I think Baker is going to regress uh, to that mean, the, the the Baker stat line there. So, yeah, I have to imagine. Uh, I'll, I'll give some credit to Jared Goff. I've never been that like excited to watch him play, but he's balling right now. Uh, he's found a rhythm with this Detroit offense. He went for 353 and three TDs in this game. Uh, looked really good. I'm on Ross St. Brown, too, man. <clears throat> looked great. 12, 12 catches for 124 and a touchdown. He's a beast, man. He's kind of – he's all over the place, makes really big catches, uh, quick catches when they need to be. Um, I love that block. I think it was when Amon's uh, Ross St. Brown scored the touchdown, a little out. And um, Craig Reynolds came out of the, the, the screen to block the cornerback and allow that touchdown. I was just like, where did he come from? What a great block to free up that um, uh, St. Brown for the touchdown. So it was, that was really cool. This team looks like they're having fun playing. That's always a good sign. Absolutely. Oh, downside, David Montgomery uh, left the game with an injury. So we'll, we'll be monitoring that closely. Yeah, and hopefully Gibbs gets back soon, man. I've been anxious to see him perform, but obviously he's been uh, dinged up a bit as well uh, in his rookie year here. But yeah, I mean, also not a good sign for for a running back that's hurt this much in the rookie season. Definitely true. Um, yeah, I mean, I just had Lions continue to to have an upward trajectory. I mean, you could probably make an argument that they're the best team are you know in the top three of the nfc for sure and they have to be at this point so um you know goff just continues his great season um i heard in on sports radio this week i know you'd love to make fun of me for listening like to to terrestrial radio uh still in uh in my local market but uh they were talking about would because there was it's it it, it's for it's like for boomers that can't use their phone to find a podcast anyway i just like to hear up-to-date stuff i'm really i'm really impressed by our backup podcasts left tackle aren't this always, week. podcasts aren't always it man. but uh anyway i only listen to one show but they were talking about because <laughs> uh, there were, were rumors that the seahawks might be trading for uh jared goff that off season after when he got traded to the to the lions because everybody thought well they don't actually want to keep him so um, I would be happy with Jared Goff as a Seahawks quarterback, I think, right now. Uh, he's Honestly, I don't think it works. I don't think it works. I don't think you can take a guy uh, from one team and put him into another system and another team right. who doesn't have the same strikes. He's not mobile, he's not mobile at all. So he, might he would get absolutely obliterated as our I, – I wouldn't even put that on Jared Goff. I, 
Jared Goff, please stay with Detroit, man. You do not want this this heat. Just stay away from Seattle. Don't ever come here. All right. Any other anything else about this game? No, let's keep it. Moving. All right. New New York Giants at Buffalo. They played Sunday night football. This game was horrible to watch. Um, my t- God hates New York Giants fans. That's what I've determined. Um, even though Buffalo is four and two and still alive in the divisional race, they did not look like a winning team on Sunday night. Um, they needed a horrible, let me repeat, horrible no call pass interference to win that game. Um, I literally watched paint dry rather than watch this game. We were painting one of the rooms in our house. And I literally was in that room watching paint dry as an alternative to watching this game. So that, that should tell you something about this ridiculous game. All right. My spotlight is Damien, Damian Harris. Uh, he was injured during the game. It looked like something around the head or the neck. They stopped the game for like a very long time to uh, immobilize him. He was eventually hauled off in an ambulance. Um, so the word on the street is he's feeling, you know, has feeling in all his extremities and it looks like a neck strain. So good news there. Um, probably out this week out of precaution, but I'm glad that he uh, is up and running and I'm glad that they did all that pomp and circumstance to make sure that he was okay. So Uh, I think it really, did you find it weird at all that the, back of the ambulance that picked him up off the field had DeMar uh, DeMar Hamlin's number and name on the back of the um it is weird I don't I don't want my I don't want my ambulance to have an affiliation to something like that necessarily but I mean in all the weird things in the world going on I think it is what that's the least of my worries I guess yeah it wasn't odd like huh you know huh that's interesting true we saved this guy i'm gonna put his number is you know right well they they're not even the ones that saved him that's why it's so weird i I don't know i don't know it's it is very weird you're absolutely right all right anything to add on that new york giants buffalo game uh nope all right it was bad all right dallas at the new york well i'm gonna call them the clippers till they start learning how to win um rain did not stay away on monday so this was a dac day um cd lamb is continuing my spotlight here is c lamb's continuing to talk about being uh, acknowledged as a wide receiver one and i just go like hey man don't talk about it don't be about it don't try to convince people that you're a number one go out and show it stop with the the bull honky just go do it if you think you're that good, go become that. Don't worry about anybody else talking. Don't worry about me saying a word about anything or anyone else. Just do what you're supposed to do and be that wide receiver one. Until you do that, no one's going to listen to you. Agree. And uh, my game ball, um, they, they've, they've earned this on this week. Uh, the refs, uh, they blew yet another call. Stefan Gilmore literally shoved the receiver out of the way to get that game ending interception. Um, I don't know why we're not talking more about this. Um, this was, um, I think there was two egregious um, passenger uh, uh, late hits or late, late hits on the roughing the passer is what I'm trying to say that no call for PI and the Buffalo game. And this no call for um, PI in the, in the Clippers game. 
Clippers. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, I mean, I it just these were the ugliest goddamn games this week, Mike. You've already made that point, I know, but I have to keep reiterating it. Um, yeah, I mean, they weren't fun. That's the thing no. about it, man. You've seen we've seen bad games, bad teams. That it was a fun game. This wasn't even fun. It wasn't even exciting to watch. It's like the, the the referees were too involved. The teams were not playing well. A lot of backups, some injuries. I mean, it was just a mess. I mean, we got people like in London. It's just I don't know. It, it's not a good week for for the NFL. In fact, I'm not sure it's getting any better. I don't think so either. Um, yeah, it, it just yeah, this Cowboys game. I mean, your boy Rain. Uh, I just don't know, man. I don't know if he's the. I, I don't. He's think not he the one. Answer. No, he's not the one. Uh, tough for for that the rushing numbers there on uh, the Cowboys too. Like Dak leads the team with forty yards rushing. Like, yep. Establish the goddamn run, Dallas. What are you doing? But anyway, yeah, he did have a nice, a nice little fake out, like 15, 16 yard run to the end zone. But yeah, they they did just barely enough to win that game, and it was ugly. And I think that they are not the greatest team. Well, you look at all the advanced stats, and Dak is right up there. Um, you know, depth of target, you know, EPA, like all these different like nerd stats. Um, and not that I'm a professional at this, but just kind of watching the game sometimes, like you can see guys get a little jittery. When you're in high leverage situations, he's not a very good player. At some point throughout the season, he's, especially in the playoffs, he gets put in these high level, high leverage situations, like having to make a game winning drive. The last two seasons uh, in the playoffs, he's fell flat in that regard. He throws a lot of his picks on third and long, trying to push it downfield to, you know, it, you know, trying to force it in there. Um, he turns the ball over a lot in the red zone on, you know, trying to trying to push it in and make throws he shouldn't be making instead of, you know, taking a win. Um, so I'm not sure where he where he ends up. Uh, we mentioned Dave Craig uh, earlier in this podcast. I mean, I would put him on that level. You know, if you look at Dave Craig's like overall numbers, I think he's top 15, top 20 in like uh, total passing yards in NFL history. Um, but if you watch the games and you're pulling your hair out because he fumbles it four times and throws two picks or he gets sacked nine times by the Kansas City Chiefs, but then throws a touchdown pass to Paul Scanzi to win the game. Like it's like these things that just drive you nuts. And I think uh, Dak has a lot of that in him. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, let's get off of these shitbag games. Oh, ready. Let's look forward to next week. And All right. A better, better slate of games. So I got four games that I'm kind of looking forward to. So I'll, I'll put it, and if it's one that you're uh, excited about as well, just jump in. Yeah. So I got Atlanta at Tampa Bay. The reason is I just want to see, this is a obviously an interdivision game against you know i think it's the second and third in the division um this this division is wide open an atlanta win here puts them in a position to be in striking distance of winning the division again despite how bad like desmond ritters looked um tampa bay is an old team 
Baker's regressing to the middle. Like, what are they going to look like? So I'm interested to see how that game turns out. I still can't quit Atlanta. Um, they're kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I had this game on my list too. I'm, I just want to see what shakes out of it. I want to see how both teams respond yep. um, after tough. Both losses. lost, yeah. Yeah. All right, I got Detroit at Baltimore. Um, this is point. one of the matchups that I think this is what like if Detroit is for real, like you you mentioned they were top three in the NFC. Um, if that if that is in fact true, they need to win this game. Yeah, uh, I don't care how they do it, whether they grind it out, whether they kick a field goal to win it, whether they blow their Baltimore's doors off, which I think is unlikely, but. What, however they grind through this to get the win. I don't care if it's ugly. I don't care if it's pretty. Just get the win. Um, if they can't, you know, I I personally think they're probably four or five in the NFC. But even despite the, the San Francisco and Eagles loss, I think they're one and two. Um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how, how their season turns out. I think Dallas is probably number three um, with that defense. Oh, but. Man. I mean, yeah, could be. I don't know. Maybe it, it, I'm having Dallas, PTSD Dallas, with Detroit. Yeah. I, I don't Dallas, trust them quite yet. Dallas definitely bounced back against uh, San, uh, L.A. Charger, Clippers, whatever, this week. So uh, We'll call yeah, them the Clippers I, until they get a win. There you go. I had this uh, game on my list, too, though. Um, again, just want to see how both of these teams respond. I want to see how the Ravens look coming back from – uh, from London, I want to see and and you know, that sloppy how game. Win, like how, yeah, how do they look? Yeah. Disgusting game, uh, and the you know Detroit kind of running running over uh, Tampa Bay. Like let's see where we go from here. Yep, yep, yep. All right, my next one: uh, the LA Clippers at uh, the Chiefs. Um, inter another interdivisional rivalry. These are probably the two best teams in the AFC West. Um, chiefs aren't playing particularly well. They're not, uh, they're winning, but they're not putting up points. Uh, they're definitely gettable. Um, I don't know if the, the Clippers are going to be the team that are going to be able to get them. Um, they have some pretty significant like depth issues, uh, and their skill positions. Um, their defense has these weird up and down games. They seem to show up for games like Kansas city. So I expect them to do that this week. It's like Brandon Staley goes, guys, we really have to study this week. Um, so, and he gets involved uh, perhaps. So um, it'll be a close game. Interesting. Yeah. I did not have that one on my list, but I, All right. I'm looking forward to it as well. All right. My final game, Miami at Philly. That was um, I just want to see, yeah, I just want to see how these games, how these two teams work. I mean, uh, Philly's pretty weak in the middle of the defense. They have a, they have a couple of good safeties, but on the outside, they're a little weak. Um, they're middle D the ones that you would expect to like run rough, you know, to, to, to close those windows that two was looking at, uh, you need a strong middle linebacker. Um, they don't have that. Um, I think the key is can the Eagles front defensive front win at the line of scrimmage and get to a moving uh, off his platform. I think that's going to be difficult with how fast he gets the ball out of his hands. Um, Philly's going to have a rough day. Um, they're just going to have to manhandle Miami. It's the only way I think they can win. And, and it's possible. 
yeah, should be an interesting game because I, I, you know, like I, in our last power rankings, like I had, um, like the first four teams were uh, three, at least three teams were NFC teams. Obviously, the Cowboys are going to fall down that list a little ways, but um, this is like you know one of the one of the two or three best teams in the AFC versus one of the two or three best teams in the NFC. Like let's let's uh, strap it up and see what comes out. Yeah, Miami's five and one going into this game, right? I mean, so they're one of the from a from a from a uh, record perspective, they're top three in the league. Yeah. So the other five and one, or I guess they're top four. So Philly, Detroit, San Francisco, all five and one, along with Miami. So all having really good seasons up to this point. Yeah. All right. That, was that your last uh, looking forward to? All right. So let's, what do you, what do you have for your bets this week? Okay. Um, I have Green Bay minus one at Denver. I'm not betting on. I'm betting against Denver every week until I they prove me wrong. Um, just yeah, disgusting team. Green Bay's coming off of a bye. I think that uh, you know, I would. I mean, uh, there's nobody I would pick. Maybe Carolina is the only team I would pick Denver against at this point. Uh, Detroit plus three at Baltimore. Uh, can't believe you're getting three points. Um, yeah, I know it's on the road, but I uh, can't believe you're getting three points for uh, a five and one team uh, against Baltimore because that I, I like that Detroit defense. I like that Detroit offense. It's like that Detroit team. So looking forward to that one. Um, and then Cleveland minus two at Indianapolis. Although I did just see that Deshaun Watson said he doesn't know when he's going to play again, or he might be out for a few more weeks or something. I don't know. There's something like that. So um, a little nervous about that one, but Cleveland's defense again is incredible. And um, if Indianapolis, who did they lose to this last week? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. If they're getting run over by Jacksonville like that, and Gardner Minshew's turning the ball over four times. Like, what, what's Cleveland going to do to him? So, I'll take Cleveland. I think that – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I was, I was just going to say I'll take Cleveland uh, minus two in that one. And that's that's the extent of my selections. I think the toughest thing to look at when you're making – when one is making these picks is week to week going, oh, that – like. Miami had a wonderful 70 game or 70 point game. Right. And then they go and lay an egg the next week at, at, at Buffalo. And I just go like, it's hard to look at the prior week and project that on to the next week. You almost have to look at each game in a microcosm. So, so it's like five and one Detroit. Cool. But what are they this week? Right. How do, how do those matchups look? And that's the toughest thing for me to try to figure out. That's why I stayed away from a lot of these games, including that Baltimore one, because I know Baltimore's defense is really good. And if they can slow down, cause some turnovers as Detroit offense, I mean, it's, it's, you're literally changing the game. So um, it's really hard to, to make those judgments. That being said, um, I, my only pick this week, it was a parlay. I took San Francisco minus seven at Minnesota and the over of 44. Um, I Wait, think that, at sorry, first, run, run that back one time. Uh, San Francisco minus seven okay. at Minnesota uh, combined with the over 
44. Yeah, I like so, it. So I'm not going to like improve my percentage if I hit on this, but I mean, it's plus 219. So at least I'll be able to, the values there, I suppose. Yeah. All right. Enough of our betting defeats. All right. You had a question this week. Uh, you want to go ahead and uh, shout that out? Yeah. I just, you know, defenses are looking really good right now. And I don't know if this is a microcosm of, you know, not as much time spent on the field during the off season um, or what the story is, but defenses seem to be really outplaying offenses right now. So my question to you, Mike, after, you know, Patrick Mahomes has been struggling, all these Justin Herbert struggling, all these great quarterbacks struggling. Are there any good QBs left in the NFL or are defenses just way ahead right now? And it's going to, going to level back out. Um, yes. To answer your question, there are good Q QBs left in the NFL. Uh, no question. I think oh, there's yeah. probably eight in the NFL that you would call, uh, call great to elite. And then it gets a little mucky in that kind of middle ground, that good to great level. Um, that being said, I also, you know, uh, offenses and defenses in the NFL over the course of history has been a bit of a dance. Um, typically, offenses lead in trends, and then defenses have to adapt. It's the same on the field because the offenses know what they're going to run. The defense are always, always reacting to that action. So on a, on a larger scale, that's how they do it from a scheme perspective as well. Um, I think there's a lot of defensive players that are in the NFL now, young players that have been in the pipeline for quite some time, and they're figuring out they know how to defend things like back shoulder throws. They know how to defend uh, motion and, and some of these things that offenses are throwing at them because they've seen it. They've seen it from high school. They saw it in college, um, and they're a little bit better at um, – figuring those things out. So uh, yes, I think defenses are, are improving for, you know, they're reacting well to the offenses that have been out there for a while. And uh, I expect um, that the, the offenses to adapt again, to counter some of the things that the defenses are doing. And, and so this beautiful dance continues. All right. I like it. I like it. I think I think the other thing there's a lot of young NFL quarterbacks right now. You know, Rodgers is gone with his injury. Um, you know, Drew Brees is gone now. Like a lot of these. Yeah, a lot of the old heads are out. You're right. So I wonder. I'm sure that makes makes a bit of a difference. So, all right, yeah, man. Thanks for answering my question. I'm ready to my go. My pleasure. There. I did not have any takes this week, so uh, take corner. Shocking. I, I do. I do have one. You go ahead. Do you? What do you have? All right, so I text this to you. Uh, I was watching the Tennessee game. A um, couple of things. Their offensive coordinator is sitting on the field, which I'm not a huge fan of. They sh I think they should be in the booth a little bit. There's no need that they need to – no reason they need to be down on a field. I think getting bird's eye view of what's happening is, is important. Um, but he had a full beard. And, I, and my initial thought was, that's weird. I don't think I'd ever hire an offensive coordinator with a full beard. Like that guy came in to interview. I don't care what his resume is. I'm like, you have to shave that if you want to get hired. 
So that's my take. Don't hire an OC that has a full beard. I almost clapped back at you. It was like, I don't want to see a fat, uh, like an obese uh, offensive coordinator. Like, I don't want, I want Kyle Shanahan, not Charlie Weiss. Yeah. Remember Charlie this, Weiss? This, it's a up. new NFL, guys. I actually looked it up to see if Charlie Weiss was still alive, and he is. Shout out Charlie Weiss, 68 years old now. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. God yeah. bless him. Uh, anyway, All right, my, so I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you have one? Nope, you go ahead. Uh, I was going to say my one take was that people need to stop fighting at NFL football games. These need to be more yeah. family friendly. Like I'm all about going to the game, tailgating a bit, having a few beers, but like be a fucking adult. You don't need to fight somebody over what team they support versus you. Um, it's just ridiculous. Jeremy, That's- can you really expect a man that puts paint on himself in the color of his team and wears a jersey to be an adult? No, I guess, I guess not, but it's just disheartening. Again, this weekend, it was just a freaking, there was like three or four or five games that there were just insane fights broke out at. And like, I don't, I feel like this didn't used to happen, but maybe it's just now with the, you know, with the cell phone cameras being everywhere that people are just catching these fights on camera constantly and putting, uploading them to the internet. And then you see them all over Twitter, but I don't know. That's ridiculous. I'm sure they, I'm sure they happened. I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's disgusting. I don't care if it happens, you know, for the last 50 years and all of a sudden, and it's still the same. I just, we shouldn't be doing it. You're right. This is, this is a kind of a family event, right? This is, we're going to a game. I'm bringing my kids. We're going to watch and we're going to cheer and we're going to have fun and, and we're going to go home and safe. And I, it, that should be part of this process. And it's not, I can take my family to game, I won't go to any more games because of that. Uh, I don't want to be anywhere near that stuff, uh, to be honest. And I get more, it's easier to watch and better to watch a game from home. Um, I don't think we even need <laughs> a stadium experience. If it wasn't for these billionaires, like wanting to collect tickets, I don't even think they're good for cities, building stadiums and cities. You don't, I mean, don't get me started on that. Um, I think where it's like, billionaire um what do you call that <laughs> like uh uh welfare when we build them their their cities or their uh their cities they actually are cities they're um, stadiums so um i think it's all a sham and we should just have i don't know some place some some sporting park in orlando somewhere where they have all of these fields and they and the people and the teams just play and that's it yeah one place well, I think- I think that the NFL, like actually one of the ideas originally was to have it filmed in a studio and not even have fans there. Yeah. So why? Somewhere. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anyway. All right. So you have any more hot takes or that's it? Well, I want, I wanted to revisit our argument regarding tanking and um, just thinking off the top of my head, the only time that I ever saw tanking actually seem to work was the 2011 Indianapolis Colts tanking. It was right. They, they basically, yeah, suck for luck. Exactly. Uh, And that worked. But what we've seen is that the NFL teams are really bad at tanking. And on top of that, drafting a quarterback in the, in the first round is about a 50, 50 uh, deal. So you have a 50% chance of having a quarterback that is good enough to 
you know, improve your team. So with those odds, there isn't a lot of um, incentive to really suck that bad. Plus, you have to build teams in other ways. Finding value in the second, third, and fourth rounds, if, if a team can do that, they can stay successful for much longer than sucking, getting rid of everybody and getting a number one quarterback. Because it's going to take you about two to three years to rebuild that team again anyway. So I just don't understand why they do it. And in most cases, they're not successful at it, even if they try. This year feels very, very, very fishy to me. And I'm starting to, to see um, some of the thing. Well, I mean, I saw some of the things, but I think I'm seeing it on a larger scale. Some of the things that you've been talking about. You're, I mean, a lot of the context that you talk about tanking is really just focusing on Denver, right? But you're seeing it in these other places. Denver is a, is a, a yard sale. And it seems like Chicago is a potential yard sale. Uh, Tennessee with getting rid of um, Derek, uh, that, Derek Henry, that seems like it's a yard sale. Like, what are these teams doing at this point? They're not playing very well. I, mean, New I don't know. New England as well. They seem like they're – Minnesota's a yard sale. Yeah. New England's a yard sale. I mean, what are we doing? Well, and then, like, I, I saw somebody's take on uh, Caleb Williams looked so bad this this uh, last week against Notre Dame. It was like, uh, is, he, is he tanking the tank? He's trying to not get picked by one of these shitbag teams that are going to be at the top of the draft like Denver, so – well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna zag on Caleb Williams a little bit. Like, I watched a couple of his games. I'm not super impressed. Like, I was more impressed by Andrew Luck, frankly, than I am by Caleb Williams. Um, this, this whole asking for like ownership of a team—it's just like they're throwing just shit that isn't even like legally possible based on their CBA out there. And I'm just like, I don't understand what subterfuge or what game they're running. Cause it's all game at this point, right? Yeah. It's all speculation. It's all game. And I don't understand why they're doing it this way. And, I, and I'm zagging a little bit, you know, he got manhandled by uh, Notre Dame this weekend um, through a lot of know. picks. I think three picks. I don't even know if Notre Dame's good either. That's the thing. That's crazy. Well, they were, they were on Saturday and that was, it was a, it was a fun game to watch, to be honest with you. I like, watching SC go down but all right yeah I mean yeah I just I think yeah I I think that tanking is real and it's happening and and I know it's it's harder on a team like in the NFL you made the point to me a couple of times like it's easy to do easier to do in the NBA but in because one player makes such a difference yeah, yeah. right because oh, you yeah, have yeah. five you have the, five the, players on the court at, at any given time right Trailblazers so that, just made Damian Lillard sit down at the end of the year last year because they wanted a better draft pick. So that, that's it's way easier to do it in the NBA. But the players that are well, I would say it's it's out. not e it's easy. It's the same amount of ease to tank. It's to basically just sell off your team and put pe yeah. and sit people down. NFL can do it too. I think the 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 difference is is the impact of that draft pick going into the NBA, maybe a season before a really, really good prospect becomes viable and a functioning part of your team. And because there's only five people on that court at any given time, that one elite person that's on that team has a much larger impact. 
when you're talking about players outside of the quarterback position, um, even them only account for one or two points at best to in, in a game. So when you talk about like you get the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth pick, those are very high draft picks. You have to build in different ways. So if you don't have an opportunity to get a, like a star quarterback, don't reach, start building your team in other ways. There's other ways and there's 44 people roughly that get onto a field in a given week. That's a lot of variables, a lot of people that have an impact on that game, whether it's causing a fumble, whether it is actually fumbling, what's dropping a pass, which is catching a pass. All these things have to happen in unison. And because teams only have really finite number of possessions in a basketball game, it's back and forth. So if you lose a possession or a turnover on one side, you're getting the ball back in 38 seconds, right? That's not the case with the NFL. You're moving, you're moving for 10 minutes in one direction. Any mistake or variable that happens in that space completely obliterates your, your timing and, and the schedule that you have for that game. I don't know. It's just so difficult. It is difficult. I don't know what... but it, it, I'm glad that you're finally coming around to seeing that some teams seem to be trying it this year. So. So I think that I think the sticking point for me was I know that teams try to tank, right? I've seen it, but I my my I always questioned the effectiveness of that tactic and thought it was a bad idea just in general. So I yeah, think I, that's I where yeah, that was I, my. I agree point. with you. I do agree with you on that level. And I was gonna bring up because I was uh I was talking to uh, our friend Primo about it, and Primo was like what about the Miami Dolphins coach? Like the Dolphins owner tried to get him to tank and he wouldn't tank. And that's like in part of the reason why he got fired after that. I mean, I know part of it was that apparently the owner wanted to go get uh, Tom Brady and he didn't want to do that, but yeah, I, yeah. So anyway, um, I'm glad we can finally put this to bed. Yes. All right. So diversity, did you have anything? I only had one. Um, I've been reading uh, or listening to an audible book of Killers of the Flower Moon, uh, which is, oh, about, word. yeah, uh, I, I got it on um, on audible a couple weeks ago. I'm about halfway through it. Um, fantastic. Listen, I, um, I'm sure the book is, is great too. Uh, actually reading it. Um, it's, it's unabridged. So it is just reading me the actual book, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, um, insanely i mean it's not surprising what the u.s government and basically white people uh white settlers in oklahoma did to uh native americans at the uh, back in basically from the i think it kind of runs from like the 1860s through to like 1920s uh but these folks on the um osage nation in uh Oklahoma who were moved off of their land in Kansas bought this parcel of you know huge parcel of land in Oklahoma that in northeast Oklahoma that everyone thought was completely useless and rocky and they couldn't grow crops there they were able they ended up finding oil under it and this nation was they were the richest people in America per capita yeah per capita for a time um, very interesting movie. I don't want to hear uh, a very interesting book. Don't want to give too much away. The book, the movie does come out Mar by, directed by Martin Scorsese and starring Leo Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Robert De Niro. It's like November 10th, right? Uh, no, October 20th, actually. So oh, October 20th. Ooh. Wow. Days. That's this weekend. 
Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I was, I'm going to try to get out and see. I might just wait till it comes back on Apple Podcasts I don't, or on uh, Apple uh, Apple Plus or whatever. So I know it's coming out there as well of, after like a week or two in the theater. So not sure what I'm going to do yet. I never go to the movies in the winter just because I feel like you're too many people coughing and potential colds and whatnot. So that was even before COVID. I never went to the movies in the winter for some <laughs> reason. So. Anyway, that that was mine. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to finishing the book and and watching the movie. So, awesome, yeah. I, rec- I recommend it at this point. All right. So my diversity. I'm not reading. Um, I am rewatching Justified. Um, I just finished through season three, and the writing in this is fantastic. Um, the acting is, I don't know, it's, it's so subtle. Um, they have some pretty, actually some really good, um, antagonists and they tie these, they introduce them in so many weird ways. Right. So a lot of times when you look at like these episodic television shows that span the course of multiple seasons, they'll just episode one they'll introduce a new character and that's your arc for that season but what they've been able to do somehow is tie it together where they'll introduce the season two big bad within some episode of season one in a very like unique way as to kind of introduce and kind of go through that um that dialogue and then by the time you get to season two like oh i know that person um like mags bennett for example introduced uh earlier on in in the in the series and then basically takes off and becomes the big bad in the in the second uh, second season so um yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it so far i just kind of started um episode or uh, season four are you rewatching uh, it because didn't they just come out with a movie or a? Uh, so are you rewatching it before you watch primal? It? Yeah, primal something or other. Yeah, that that's that's why I started rewatching because I wanted to kind of get cu- caught up on the characters and uh, figure many, out where. How many seasons are there? There's six in the original Justified, and I think a one full thirteen episode season um, with this primeval. Oh, so it wasn't uh, a movie. It's actually another season. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. But it's kind of like a, it's, it's a fenced in like a season. It's not, I mean, it's part of the, the canon, but it's not like picking up off where they ended in season six. It's like a whole, there, he's in Detroit versus Kentucky. So oh, okay. slightly different. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, check it out if you haven't. Justifies a really good show. Um, I will say it's very, uh, <laughs> very heavy on uh, uh, kind of like this white power kind of racism trope. Um, be, you know, primarily being in the um, in Kentucky and you know, kind of the hillbilly areas. So very, if you're if you really don't. If you're really anti that kind of stuff, you might want to stay away. Not that, I'm, not that I'm for it, but I can at least watch it from that perspective. It's not like looked on uh, with with any good light. Anyone who kind of has those opinions is typically what you what you would call an antagonist in the story. So um, yeah. Anyways, yeah, it's, it's really good. All right, is that all your diversity for this week? 
Yeah. So I had, don't have a lot of time to do anything, you know, watching paint dry and then, and, and then watching justified. So. I love it. I love it. All right. Let's get to right. the goats then. Let's herd the goats. My good this week, Michael Penix Jr. Uh, he and the uh, Washington Huskies beat their Pac-12 rivals this week, the Oregon Ducks. Both teams were in their top ten, top ten of uh, NCAA college football going into the game. Um, he finished up with 302 yards, four touchdowns, including that go-ahead score in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Great like, day yeah, by him. That, was, that looked like his Heisman moment right there, man. We'll that see. Got, let's let's happen. finish the let's let's finish the season. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, my good was college game day being at the University of Washington this week. Looked like it went off pretty well. Um, people were out there from all night, I think, uh, camping out, and it just seemed like a, a great college football atmosphere at the University of Washington. Um, love to see it. Love to get. Love that they're getting some recognition. Um, saw saw a few people say that it was. Uh, very like southeastern conference vibes there like as far as how into the football everybody is so uh, it was interesting to hear that um that's any shots of the people on trank on what trank no <laughs> no no they didn't have any of the they, they moved those guys out of the way first okay guys out of there cool all right, uh, my bad. NFL reps discussed this earlier. Several game-changing calls slash no calls. Games are less fun uh, when teams get these get out of jail free, fifteen yard personal fouls or you know pass interferences. Honestly, I'm not a really big fan of the product at the moment. Um, it, they, they don't seem like these games are very organic. I can watch uh, an underdog win and win in dramatic fashion um what i can't stand for I, what i can't stand is when those moments are a direct result of a weird penalty um i, I to me it's i think tom brady mentioned today like it's like watching flag football and i kind of feel like that not that i'm an advocate for like smashing you know a receiver coming over the middle or anything like that but there has to be a balance this is a particular game that requires some physicality to it and you know at some point these guys are of sound mind and body when they enter into this profession and um will protect you but let's let's not call a 15 yard roughing the passer penalty on um the, the new york giants uh for pushing josh allen on the ground yep i agree i agree um my bad was uh i guess along those lines is ravens safety kyle hamilton getting ejected um for a hit on the titans receiver chris moore um i just don't maybe i'm a uh whatever victim of the moment but i this is the first time i remember in a, in a long time maybe like since uh forget what the guy's name was the Cincinnati Bengals Vontez perfect getting I think he got ejected a couple times for for big hits but I don't remember in the last while you know I know in college football like if you have a helmet to helmet hit you're immediately ejected uh, but the NFL doesn't do it as much and you know this was a pretty egregious hit but I was just they, they ejected that Raider like two weeks ago for their shot on Justin Herbert maybe I missed that I must have missed that I think those types of shots, the shot on Herbert and this shot where it was on called for it. 
Those are the types of, of calls that should be made. And those are the types of situations where, where players need to be ejected. They're missing game checks. They're getting fines. All of those things, that's punitive punishment to prevent it from happening in the future. Right. Um, I, I think those are fine. Some of this, like Stefan Gilmore pushing somebody over and not, not calling it, just it doesn't make any sense. Mugging somebody in the end zone, not calling it. And then just the egregious, like roughing the passer calls. It happened in the uh, 49ers game as well. Yeah. So I don't know. All right. They need to figure it out. My ugly is this week's games. You know, see the rest of the podcast. (laughs) Not fun. Wasn't really fun to review. It was a rough go last night. I was like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to just do it all tomorrow, like this evening, because I don't have the motivation to draw this out over two days because these games suck. Absolutely. Welcome Uh, to the NFL. (laughs) Really quickly, my ugly. Uh, Shador, whoever runs Shador Sanders' Instagram account, uh, they went on at halftime of that game Friday night, and when they were when Colorado was winning twenty nine nothing, and Shador Sanders looked like the next great quarterback in in college and possibly the NFL uh, to start selling some of his merchandise, and uh, then they went out in the second half, and of course, uh, just got in laughable fashion lost the lost the game in overtime um just ridiculous it was crazy so anyway whoever runs Shador Sanders uh Instagram who was trying to sell stuff uh pedal pedal their items at uh halftime of of a what ended up being a loss uh gets my ugly vote for the week well man you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take I guess so all right, so that's it um, for the podcast, right? Yeah, like, right, let's uh, like, wrap this up. Like, listen, rate, review, share the podcast. We're just trying to build a following, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I keep telling Mike we should uh, live stream some games, like on Twitch or YouTube or something. I'm not sure how to do that though, so we're gonna figure that out, and hopefully, maybe some one week this season we'll be able to be able to hop on live and see if we uh, see if anybody actually wants to watch with us. Yeah, man, I'm an introvert with a family that I just have to do stuff around my house. It's so difficult, but we'll see how it works out. Maybe sometime we can do it. All right, man. Jeremy, we have to make up our minds. Are we in love with this podcast? Or are we in like with it? Till next week. <laughs>